Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm joined by Charzette Torrance and Danielle Johnson. Partners in love, art, and production, this dynamic duo stays on the go, bringing life to LGBTQ culture. Originally from Detroit, Charzette has been recognized for her positive portrayals of people whom mainstream media has tried to marginalize. She received her BFA in Fine Art Photography from the College for Creative Studies. She was selected as an artist-in-residence at the world-renowned Maine Photography Workshop. A native New Yorker, Danielle grew up in the Bronx during the early days of hip-hop. Danielle is a musician in her own right. She started playing drums at age of six and expanded her musical talents to playing other instruments, including guitar, bass, saxophone, and keyboards. With over 40 years of music background, Danielle started her own music production company with her partner, known as DJ and Cats Production. Charzette's Just As We Are Project, a 50-piece photo exhibit depicting the lives of people in the LGBTQ community, is an expression which uplifts the visual life imagery of LGBTQ individuals who have deeply affected the world in which we live. Her photography work is in the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, and other museums and galleries. In 2010, Charzette started transitioning from photography into becoming a filmmaker. Danielle also caught the filmmaking bug. They both wanted to learn as much as they could about films. Their first project as content creators was Jillian's Peak. Jillian's Peak depicts African-American lesbians and LGBTQ individuals as positive, realistic people and is inspired by Charzette's life. 2018 was a phenomenal year, taking them to new places, looking at the world through their unique lens and introducing new audiences to their artistry. Charzette and Danielle, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you both today? Oh, thank you. This is Danielle. I am fine, and it's a pleasure being here today. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to um, be here with you, Michelle. Thank you. Well, I mean, well, Charlotte, you know, you're a homegirl. You know, I mean, long (laughs) before we we let you go to New York, I mean, you were here taking pictures. I mean, this is where you went to school. This is where we like to believe you got your (laughs) stuff. 
<laughs> and you know sure how is my home and will always be my home. Mm-hmm. How has yeah. being from Detroit influenced your life as a photographer? Detroit influenced me and the art that I do because um, that's where I get my start from. That's where I get my knowledge from. That's where um, art is very, very um, a, a root in Detroit, um, whether or not it's poetry or music or art uh, or photography. Um, art is very important to Detroit and, and our lives. It teached me everything that I needed to know um, to allow me to go into the world um, that any other artist um, would know of any other caliber. Um, as a Detroiter, art is very important to us. And mm-hmm. it really helped me when I had to talk to people or do my exhibit that is not in Detroit. You know, Detroit and art is everything. Mm-hmm. Who gave you, you know, that first camera that got you got you going? Well, my first camera came when I was 14. I mean, my mother um, always loved to do pictures, but I didn't know what I wanted to be as an artist back then. And 14, that it came to me. And so, you know, we're like growing up in Detroit. We, you know, you know, we we, we never knew that we was economically less. And I mm-hmm. said I wanted to be a photographer. My mother couldn't afford a camera. And you know in Detroit, every Sunday we're in church. And the pastor heard about um, that I wanted to be a photographer. My mother couldn't afford a camera. And he gave me my first camera. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me started. Wow. Wow. So, you know, what we, lo- we look out for each other in Detroit. That's right. That's right. What lured you to uh, New York, was it photography or Danielle? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, as you know, in Detroit, you know, um, I was with somebody else during that time. And in 2002, uh-huh. when um, Detroit was taking its transition then, the spirit told me um, to go to New York. Now, New York was the last place that I wanted to go to because, as most people say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. It's very aggressive. Uh It's very rough. Um, My main deal was to go to Chicago because you know how in Detroit we drive back and forth to Chicago for like a second home. But somehow when I woke up every day, the spirit said, go to New York, go to New York. At that time, um, Detroit was taking a, a transition that, you know, that photography would not be, those accounts wouldn't be there. So I said, well, I got to follow what the spirit said. New York, do or die or bust. Mm-hmm. So we, I had to listen to my inner self, um, mm-hmm. which is led me here to New York. Then, you know, it was a challenge like anything else coming here. I had to work two jobs. You know, at the time, as soon as you get here, the story, you, you break up who you with. And just to survive, mm-hmm. New York does that to you. This is survive here. You know, a couple of years of just being alone, I said, I'm not going to turn back because I'm here for a reason. And um, it was about 
but she came here in 2000, about 2006 or seven when I, I met Danielle, you know, because you, you're thinking about the rent survival and blending into the community here. So now I'm in a bigger um, uh, um, sea with, with other fish. I'm not just mm-hmm. a small Detroit. So it takes a minute. Mm-hmm. So Danielle, you know, yeah. there is that overlap when you talk about the arts between music, photography, painting, all of these, you know, interact. But, you know, when you saw this, this, this amazing woman with her camera, <laughs> did you, well, I mean, you know, what, did you see that overlap or did you, did you see her as an artist? Did you see her as someone, I mean, did the camera, did that sort of like cause part of the introduction? Mm-mm. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> we we happen we happened to have met um in two thousand six where she was um trying to introduce someone to a person that I knew that worked with me. And and so it didn't work out for them but it worked out for us and we started dating. <laughs> now when she when I discovered that she was a photographer, particularly a fine art photographer, um and me Shy, uh, always shied away from the camera, who would figure that you would start dating someone who's always going to be flashing the camera in your face all the uh-huh, time. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, uh, being with Charles that has opened my horizon into appreciating um, art more. I mean, I've always visited museums, and um, that's one of my hobbies that I like to do in my spare time, and I would go into a museum and see a painting, and it's like, oh, okay, well, it's just a painting. But uh, being in a relationship with Charles Ed, I began to look more deeper at that. And then that's where I saw that, you know, the art is all included, whether it's, uh, you know, abstract or painting or photography or music. Uh, you know, it's all combined together because it's dealing with the artist and mm-hmm. their feelings, and whether they portray that on a canvas or whether they portray that through music or other different forms of art, whether it's dance, et cetera, um, is something that is fascinating, and that's how I feel that it, it all connects together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Charlie, you're from Motown, and here yeah. you're with, here you with somebody who's from hip-hop heaven in the Bronx. Did it, did it, change your way of music, uh, thinking about music, or, you know, once you got with Danielle, did you, were you into hip-hop, did it, or, and, and also she did jazz and everything, did that, like, open your, your world of music, meeting her? Um, no, not really, because Detroit, even though we're Motown people, we also uh-huh. do in jazz, and we also have hip-hop there. What it did for me because we're, I really, as she calls me, I'm a music historian or music mm. curator. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from Detroit, I listen to all types of music, all types of music. As you know, I used to um, um, shoot um, straight ahead jazz. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Most of my friends are like Galen McKinney, Gina Carter. Um, as I look, we puppy that we got. So <laughs> she must have a little baby. Mm-hmm. You got a little baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, 
I just absorbed myself from my parents. As you know, coming up in the 60s, 70s, our parents mm-hmm. always, we, it's, it's always, it's a record player in the house playing all sorts of music. So I'm a lover of all types of music. But what it did, it helped me to hear, to understand, and get to know the rappers here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, where they came from, what type of music that they do versus the the different genders of hip hop um, that I got more into. But between us, we are uh, music people that know their the different generations and that good musicians, sixties and seventies, their song lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know it's universal like art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right, especially about coming from Detroit, because people think Motown. But, you know, I remember my parents who liked jazz and, mm-hmm. like, people like Nancy Wilson and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so you have, and going back into, you know, Billie Holiday, and, you, and there were jazz musicians. I know my father's family had a couple of them coming in. And, you know, so I often tell people, you know, well, I'm from, that's part of our culture, and I, you can anytime you can hear me listening to everything from Ahmad Jamal on to you know Q-Tip, you know because that's just part of us and it's part of that music. And sometimes, as you're thinking about something, there's a song that comes through because mm-hmm. it was just like always around us. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So one of the yeah so. Uh, or, you know, I mean, it is. I think that it's just a big part of it. Um, you know, Danielle, you play instruments, you do that. Um, but was that your – did you see yourself as a musician, an artist, more so than just, you know, that was like something that you did on the side? Was that your primary activity? Um, well, I um, – music to me – uh, was something that was more um, spiritual revolution for mm. me. And mm-hmm. um, especially as I moved through getting a job as a law enforcement officer, being in the military, um, a lot of this, you know, a lot of my time that I spent um, playing my music was uh, a great stress reliever. Mm-hmm. I did not, in the early stages of um, learning music, uh, you know, one of the things that I always tell people that I disappointed my a mentor and instructor because he thought I wanted to be a musician. And I was like, well, musicians really, you know, at the time, I mean, uh, live musicians were really moving out of the box. You know, everything was trying uh-huh. to become chronic. So I said, well, I don't want to be, you know, a musician. Um, but uh, sometimes I wish I probably would have went that way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, I do consider it as um, an art form. I do consider myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Okay, you know, as an artist uh, and a musician from the Bronx and hip-hop, but you also mm-hmm. identify as not only African-American, female, lesbian, okay, Hip-hop, you know, it's sort of like for the longest it was like a man's world. And I know that mm-hmm. even 
Charzette, a lot of the things like as a woman and photographer, there was that struggle. Did that mm-hmm. struggle that you both had experienced as mm-hmm. black women who were openly gay trying to make it in this arts field, did that sort of like help you define the other things that you, you wanted to go on to? Because you went on and you've done, you know, you've got um, – did the DJ company, you produced it, but did that, like, did you look at what's happening for other women like us and how do we break barriers? Good question. Well, you know what, I, um, I never uh, really um, found any um, prejudiceness when I was coming up with, in the hip-hop and uh-huh. actually DJing, um, you know, there was never a question about, uh, you know, my sexuality or even um, homosexuality as a whole. Now, there may have been incidents where people may have underneath their breath was like, oh, you know, is, is she gay or, you know, who she dating uh-huh. or something like uh-huh. that. Never really, I never really saw um, any barriers. But as a whole, as far as in the music industry, um, remember, you know, even if those things were present, um, they just they just didn't talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, outward. But there was there was prejudice because there there are a lot of um, people who are in the lifestyle, who are in um, the industry, and um, indirectly, they would prevent them from uh, moving forward and becoming the artist that they could be. Um, nowadays, it's much better because people are thinking different. Millennials think different and really don't care about your sexuality. But, yeah, you, if you're talking about in the, the, the 80s and the 90s, um, you know, that prejudice I saw was, 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 wasn't outright, you know, was mm-hmm. kind of hidden and they found other ways to the to to divert it and say, you know, no one wants to to hear gay rapper or their music or if you was but if you was a DJ in a, in a club or you know growing up in the early hip hop days, you know, we were DJing out in the park. It wasn't a question of whether they just saw you as a female, it was like, oh, she could spin, you know, and mm. that was it, going to spin. <laughs> they didn't care, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the that's experiences I've had, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as for as far as my experience, like she said, for me as, as, a, as a woman and, and as a, a, a gay woman, you know, in the industry, first of all, I think by us just being women, mm-hmm. period. And it depends on what color you are. <laughs> First, uh-huh. that you, you're going to get that opportunity versus once I came here to New York, if I was a, a, a Caucasian woman, I can assist. Um, and so, you know, most industries are mostly male-driven, okay? So they would hire the males first before they would hire the females. Like when I came here, Elan Harris wanted me to meet Matthew Jordan Smith. Now, as a photographer, everybody knows who Matthew Jordan Smith is, and most of us 
of, of color, you know, because he shot a lot of co- covers of Essence magazine um, in the 80s and 70s. And even within those covers, even though it was a woman magazine, they would hardly, hardly ever hire women to shoot those co- covers. And I always thought that was um, complex, you know, that some of these covers need to be shot by women of color, you know, or they would give it to Annie Leibovitz. Um, so mm. he had me on six one day. It was nothing but males, white males. I'm a black female, <laughs> which I'm a rarity. Even when I shot at the big studio, they looked at me like I was rare species from back in the uh-huh. day. Oh, she's a black uh-huh. woman. She's here. She's assistant. And so I assisted that day with cover for Heart and Soul magazine, if you remember that magazine back in the day. Uh-huh. And the ruse was for all the assistants that you don't talk to the clients. Right? But because this is a female magazine and the director day was like, We're just amazed, you're a woman, you're on the set. And it kept on talking to me. I tried to pull back, like, listen, I really can't talk because you know the rules and it wouldn't stop for me uh-huh. when I'm on a big set. So at that point I drew more attention away from Matthew Jordan. <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. I'm a uh-huh. And it, and, and it wasn't about my sexuality. It was about can I do the job, and I did. So at the point, I was like, well, you know, we're going to be good friends. You're not going to hire me again because that's the, the rules and the male rules. So I just wind up talking to them. But um, there, there will always be, um, a, I want to say, a disparity for women. Um, and then, you know, if, if you, you're gay, it's like I said, it's just, Underneath the breath, oh, she has happened to be gay. But if if you're good at your career and your job, that to me is a secondary. I think nowadays because of the Me Too movement, that women are coming together and standing up, and we're we're standing up for ourselves not only as far as equal pay, but you know, voicing this, we need an equal chance to get those jobs. Um, just like the males have been getting. Mm. So this is a time now that women are coming together because the males have always been together. They have always been organizing since the beginning of time and putting themselves up front. So women, we're now putting ourselves up front, you know, um, and hopefully within the gay community as women, because I feel like, we're like the last dinosaur in the gay community. You know, mm-hmm. we hardly mm-hmm. ever get the ground. We hardly ever get those things and organize ourselves. As women, we're, we're starting to come together. And, and especially as black women, we, we have to come together. It's enough out here for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, with that, we're going to take our first break here on Collections by Michelle Brown. And if you're just joining me, I am speaking with the dynamic duo out of New York, Charzette Torrance, by way of Detroit, and Danielle J. And we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. 
For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back to collections by Michelle Brown. You know, Teresa and Daniel, really, yesterday I was at a a conference and we were having this conversation and um, there was someone who was there who was trying to tell particularly lesbians and, you know, um, how when, about going to a job and what would happen and to know if if it looked like somebody wasn't, um, they were being held back or, something because of how they presented or their expression of their uniqueness. And at one point, you know, they were talking like all these things to do to make sure you got in the door. And, you know, like to me, the light bulb went on, like, you know, you're showing up there. They want you. Okay. You've got the skill and the talent. Why then aren't we making our own and doing our own? And the two of you, I mean, through um, the Jillian's Peak, through the, your production company with the DJ and Cats Productions, that's what you're doing. What made you take that step to sort of say, you know, like, as who was it? I forget which song it is, but charge that one away. Says, I don't want nobody giving me nothing. Open the door, and I'll get it myself. You know, what made you two say? Okay, let's start our production company. Let's let's make our own creative content. Well, if you know, when I was destroyed as a photographer, I was known as biggest like photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and that taught me even when I was in CCF because I I needed money, and so I needed to learn the business. And I always wondered. How can, uh, how do people start businesses? And why is we as African American have less business versus before segregation? And so I would talk to my um, friends, you know, because CCS, we have very little um, people of color. I'd ask them, how do you start a business? How do you do this? So that's where I got, like, my business with as far as forms and stuff. And even as being an artist, I know that most successful artists, they have an infrastructure, a business foundation. So I have always been an entrepreneur in Detroit. Um, and, and so that's something that's come natural for me as far as over the years um, doing that because it allowed me to – um, control my own destiny and my own self. But as far as Joe and Peek, I'll let um, Danielle take the <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Well, um, just like Charles was talking about and starting her own business and, um, you know, listening to the idea of getting, you know, into your own business and becoming um, your own self-promoter, uh, that's why we st- started, you know, I started DJ and Cat. Uh, I recently had retired after 30 years working in law enforcement, 
And so it gave me the time to do that, mm-hmm. um, both uh, DJ and Kat. I think in presenting, whenever you present, when I present myself and my resume, uh, my resume doesn't have my sexuality on it. It, it has my name, you know, I have my bachelor's degree, I have a master's degree, uh, this is my experience and and the things that I have done. And, um, you know, so there's nothing on my resume or my my personal presentation and when I come in to say, okay, you know, I'm a lesbian and right. maybe this is the reason why they're not, uh, you okay. know, accepting me because you have to. You Thank have to you. You have to, uh-huh, right, right. You have to uh, approximately 10-year process mm-hmm. as Jillian Peake moves forward from starting out as an idea of a book to moving through the waves of how uh, social media was advancing and people was, you know, thinking of, you know, putting out their own series and stuff and to actually where we are at this point with Jillian Peake where we want to get it um, in the hands of one of the um, online streaming platforms as an idea for a show. Right, on TV, not too well. But another uh-huh. point that, that you said brought up, when you're going for the job, A, it's like your parents tell you, I don't care, you can be like my parents, I don't care what you're going to be, okay, I support you. But if you're going to be ours, that's fine. But you still got to make a living. Okay? Uh-huh. And so that means you have to get work. Just like when I was doing Big as Life Total, I was teaching. I got my degree. I was teaching. I was doing both at the same time. And so when I went into an interview, a certain basis, way you have to dress, researching the company, having your resume typed, and, and presenting yourself, you know, that's this a job. It's a difference between a job and a career because huh. in, 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 in what I do and what Daniel do, people look at us as far as the, our ability. You know, if, if I'm a lesbian, that's great, but I ain't going there and saying, hey, I'm a lesbian, you ain't going to Thank hire, you. Hire. You know, you put your hair uh-huh. back. You know, it's, it's a difference between a job and a career. I think that we have to look at that as as people going in there applying for it for a job. It's, it may not be your permanent job of your life job, and no one can stop you from getting what you want um, as far as your work, but you got to pay the light. you got to pay your rent, okay? you you got to do that 40-hour job then afterwards. Every day I talked to 73 when I came home. I was shooting with Biggest Life for I did it over and over again, and everything is a built-up. When we go for work, we go for interviews, they look at us and resume who we are. It's not about mm-hmm. that we gay. And we are proud, proud that we are a gay, gay, gay lesbian and a gay couple, you know. 
So, well, you know, I think that that's really important because, like you said, you went, you knew what you were doing. You know, you had gone to school, you knew what you did, and you, when you, and that's what I was telling somebody. I said, you know, when you step up and you know what you're doing and you're bringing that to the table, like you said, with your resume, this is your skill set and stuff. They want you, and so why would you? you know, doubt yourself, you know, come and bring, bring your best self. And it seems like that's right. what the two of you have done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't even care if, if you're gay, if you're bringing your best self. But you have to realize you've got to get into the door. Mm-hmm. you got to get into the door first. You know, and everything come over time. No one is, is, is stopping us from being gay when we work, and a lot uh-huh. of things, whether or not it's, it's a self-person over commerce. So I work for the, 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 in the mall, whether or not it's, it's a high position like Daniel um, has within in the law enforcement, Odorine. They look at her, ain't no, oh, it's her ability. They look at me as a photographer, and everybody, it's no secret that we're gay. You, when you look at the Internet, they look, and when you talk, okay, that's Charles Epps, that's the photographer. That's what she's, she's done. And in the gay community, you can see the feline done. So they look at, 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 you can be looked at for your ability and who you are. No one will, will stop you because you're LGBTQ. Uh-huh. You, you know, it's like you have to transform. You, you're, you're gay all the time, but you got to also work. Uh-huh. You so know, why you did, okay. Yeah, and your family. What made you decide to start? your music production company? <clears throat> well, the reason why I wanted to start it, um, when I was working, I saw, number one, um, I met a lot of uh, fellow law enforcement officers who were musically inclined, and I started a um, a um, open band forum, I would say. I just say, listen, bring your instruments, come, lunch hour, you know, just jam, because that's how you're going to learn about each other. And so two of the musicians that was working, they was interested in, um, you know, getting the music out there and stuff like that. And so then I, um, you know, they were saying they didn't have enough money, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, you know what? I think that number one with with us learning about branding ourselves, um, uh-huh. and all the work we did, really in peak, we learned with that, and myself with experience of knowing music production and management. Uh, let's start a, a company that we can work with, you know, aspiring artists who would you know don't have enough money. Um, and, you know, want to learn about how to, um, you know, brand themselves, someone who can critique their music or even help remix their music. Um, and so, you know, just giving back, um, you know, to people in, in that way. You know, because there's, there's a lot of young, talented um, people that I have met. Um, we both have met. Yep. And, um they just don't know the know-how. And surprisingly enough, too, and I'm not talking about millennials. I'm even talking about Generation Xers mm-hmm. and even baby mm-hmm. boomers yep. who 
you know, want to get their uh, music out there and don't know the ins and outs of social media and how they can all connect and, you know, uh, making a Facebook page, making a website, um, you know, how to get their music on iTunes and Spotify, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Because right. millennials know how to do the social media. Now, they may need someone to help them to manage it mm-hmm. because it takes a lot, trust yep. me, because, you know, if you look at Jillian Peake and all the social media we have, you know, we don't visually have anything, but we have, uh, you know, people are surprised to look to see the numbers of followers that we have. Um on all our social media without uh, particularly uh, a pilot out there. Right. We've had uh-huh. live readings. We've had our actors do small acts um, at different um, conferences, um, different venues during the, the Gay Pride Month, but to actually not have a film and have all of these followers and fans tells you something about how we work with business and branding. Right, and, uh-huh. and, and it, it takes time. You know, knowing the basic business and learning that is something that through Jill and Peek and through my photography business that, you know, we want to be able to teach other artists, whether it's musicians, and once Jill and Peek get up to the level and out, then to teach, you know, um, people uh, about how do you start the business and brand the business and keep it going because the business is not going to come overnight. Well, and let's so, talk about Jillian's Peak for a minute. You know, I mean, that's a lot to go from an ideal to actually doing it. It was like you both, and like you, you learned the whole business. You know, you just, you, and that's the same thing that you can pass on to these young people because they, they, many of them think, oh, I can do this, and, you know, boom, it's going to happen. But when you went into it, it seems like you went into it with your eyes wide open that it was more than having this great ideal, this great story, that there was a whole lot that you both would have to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the the the, the film and the TV business is the most that we had to learn. But I knew that we could do it. The, when I, when Daniel when first we started by Keith working to do a book, he said, you know, you need to get this out to the gay community and community and women. And then Daniel said, you know, during the golden age of TV, when web series came out, and we were thinking mm-hmm. about that. But the reason why we started Jillian P, because what we saw on the web series that was um, done portraying women of color, you know, was, it was okay, but it, it, it could have been better. And most uh-huh. of the story was about uh, the young millennium. And the only reason why that is that, that way because, you know, when YouTube and Internet came out, people said, oh, we can get our stories up. I'm going, oh, 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 okay, great. You, 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 you use the resources that you have, right? Because mm-hmm. most of the televisions and, and film, as far as people of color, is we're, we're, we're not at the table or be, being able to get those resources versus the film and TV business, they've been doing it for years. Like they can call their friends up and say, hey, 
I got the XYC camera, which is the finance, because they've been working on film and TV production for years. So they can call their buddies up, and they, you know, they, they know how to work together and get their trailer and pile it out and put it up and then get picked up. We, as people of color, we don't really have those um, accesses or those resources when it's first started. So they did the best that they knew how, but it still um, left us as lesbians of, of color or and, and the diaspora, um, our life and our interests um, not really portrayed in the right way. You and know, so, that was one of the things that came out yesterday because someone brought up, you know, it was mostly women of color, and someone brought up, oh, you know, well, there is the L word, and it's getting ready to come back. And almost like in a wave, everyone said, that's not my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's not. And that's why we started Jillian T. It is not our story. We cannot, you know, as, as women of color, we can't just go party or sit out on the beach. Everything is, is, is taken care of. You know, it, is, it does not reflect who we are. And the, the television division and the film visions always go for that one. Okay, this is who lesbians should, you know, for, this is what every lesbian is about, is the L word. It's, it's the first, but it doesn't represent women of color or any diaspora. It doesn't represent our life. Now, within the gay community, there are a lot, you know, the males come first. They work together. It's, it's, it's they, their TV show. They always come front first. Like I said, we are the last dinosaurs, and Jill and Pete want to bring us up as not being a dinosaur. That's one reason why we did not do any filming until we had everything right. The script to be right, representing our family and community right, to do it like, like the right way. So when we meet these people, so they can say, oh, here it is but I'll let Danielle talk more on her perspective of that. Right. Okay, please. uh, Yes. So, you know, we've heard this all before, and there's always been cries out there that, you know, uh, when it comes to lesbian women of color, there is not anything out there that represents us. I mean, the L word, I think, in the fourth season, heard the cry, and they try to put – because first of all, when the L word came out, they thought it was it would satisfy everyone. Right. Because they said, okay, well, you have Jennifer Beals and she's black. Well, I mean, Jennifer Beals is is, is is so light that she can almost pass right. as white. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't really for Pam Greer yeah. being her sister. Right. It really you wasn't wouldn't know. Pam, yeah. Pam Greer was the the straight ally. She she wasn't a a, a lesbian, right? right. Uh-huh. And then, of course, they paired her up with a white woman, Jennifer Beale. Right. Okay. So then, the point, so now, you know, uh, we as a lesbian community as a whole was excited for the L word yeah. because it was the first time we had something of all women because before that, you it was always the gay male. Now, queer folk, I love the show. Yes. Uh-huh. for like eight seasons. Uh-huh. Um, then... Um, you know, then, you know, the L word came out. And so so the fourth season, they said, okay, we're going to try to satisfy the lesbian women of color, and so we will put in a, a, a black lesbian, you know, she's in the military, don't ask, don't tell okay. issues. You know, but that was not, not that enough. wasn't even enough. That was not enough. So then, again, going back to the males, what did we get after that? Noah's off. Nora. Nora. Oh, boy. So now we have the black uh, 
gay male, right? Mm-hmm. No show at all. That would be something similar to the experience of the gay white male and the gay white female and the black male, right? Where is, this is what the lesbian women of color are saying, where is our show? And so as we move through developing Jillian Pete, like I said, starting out as a book and as the waves started moving and say, hey, this may be an idea now. The L word is gone, you know, you know, people are trying to put things out there as social media expanded, and you could put your things out on YouTube. So there were a couple of, of uh, you know, lesbian women, African-American lesbian women out of Atlanta, out of Chicago, right. and they try to, you know, put their stuff out there on, on um, you know, YouTube to gravitate the attention, but nothing on mainstream. At all. Nothing. And even today, uh-huh. they still try to satisfy us because they still say, where is the lesbian woman of color? Do you want to right. have a lesbian in show? So they'll give us, uh, you know, one black lesbian. And she uh, gets, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't you watch yeah. it? You go like, okay, how many episodes is she before she gets killed off or right. in the movie right. when you say somebody's going to die? There she goes, you know. Yep. There she goes. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Bye. You know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So they get killed off, you know. And so now they say, okay, because diversity is coming more up in Hollywood and TV because we're now in somewhat as far as film and art. Oh, let's revitalize the L word. That's the only thing that they think will satisfy us. And Uh as, as far as being content creators, as long as we have been doing this. And when you look at our website, you know, everybody said, you got to film, we got, you know, we're, we're building the structure foundation of a good script first. So that's where we need the support of women of color to like our Facebook page and follow us and to support us, even when we have our campaign for our fundraisers. We are developing this for the community, okay? Mm-hmm. We are developing this for you guys, but we're developing the right way with the script and the foundation. You know, we're not just talking the talk, saying that, oh, they don't represent, we've been working on this all, what, what, seven to ten years to represent our community. But you guys have to realize that it's going to take time to do it, and the time we're doing, we're, we're at the finish line, okay? We need you guys' support, blasting out jealousy. This is what we're doing for you guys, not only representing who you are, your family, and everything. Because getting to the film and TV industry, we're doing it just like on their level, with uh-huh. learning and with, with, with support. So we have to be able to, to, to bring ourselves up and in this, we're shooting for TV. Never well. We're shooting for online streaming, you know, and you know how the Hollywood doors are at. So that's why, like, 2008, the script been getting to know us and, and, and winning the second round and getting out there. And so um, we're just doing this, this the right way. You know, and and some and that's an important message. You know that people need to understand because many people 
want to take the shortcut. Oh, well, let's just get it out there. And you see that, you know, they'll sell their rights to somebody and what comes out is not what they what uh-huh. they ended up with. And I mean, and I'm a and I'm a call it, and you know, I love Queen Sugar the program. I read the book though. Right. The <laughs> book and the program are different. And but it got out there and it got on there, but what you're doing and it's bigger than just like a story, you're holding true to our lives, you know, our situations, who we are. And so, you know, many people go, well, just just find somebody who will bankroll you and and let them do it. But you're not. You're holding that line because Uh you're doing it, like you said, for the community. I mean, and do you find that often you have to explain that to people, that people don't understand why you don't just, like, find somebody and get the money and go, girl? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, people would say, oh, did you talk to Oprah? Okay, okay, well, give me Oprah number. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, did you talk to her? Do you have that direct contact that you can make to hook it up? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're fine at this film, but once you film that webinar is on YouTube, that's your reputation. Right. The mm-hmm. people in the industry would look at that and say, oh, <laughs> You filmed that looking real bad, so you you you, you won't get picked up by um, um, you know these streaming services. Well, you can't you, you can't, can't you can't just put out uh, 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 you know garbage. You can't right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's you, you know you you get your, your your friend and you say okay your friend has a camera, but then you have problem with lighting and sound mm-hmm. and yes. the actors are bad <laughs> oh and so on. And just like you said, that is your reputation. And so if you throw it out there like that, and then you go and say, well, why am why is nobody not uh, interested in what I'm doing? Why is nobody looking at me? And then you know they already saw the what business. you have in the business, and they already saw what you have. And I was like, no, we gotta we gotta do better than that because we're the not gonna quality. get nowhere unless we, you know, put something out there of quality. And anytime we talk to anyone who's Say, oh, you know, maybe uh, build up your numbers. On yeah, I have a production tape. company. Maybe we can help. But I said, listen, we don't, we don't want just anyone nope. shooting this, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. We want something. If I, if we're going to sit down with a representative of a network and sell an idea for show, we and we want to sh- and we show them something visual, it has to be like if it was made for TV. Yep, period. And that's including the sound. That's what people got to research it is. The sound track has to be separate. It has to be shot in a different format, okay? And we are um, SAG Media approved, okay? We're just not a, a, a company that, okay, let's just throw everybody together. People have to understand that. And also, we um, started dealing with people backwards with the business. Right. So when we do sit down at the table, and I think this is what most, um, people that we do deal with in the business because you know how the business are. Just like most times, we uh-huh. get to represent that contract. Yeah. So when people do talk to us and we they do sit down with us, yes, we have an entertainment lawyer. Yes, we own the LLC. Yes, we are All right. right. Yes, we own the trademark. And and just like you say, you know, people don't uh, can get blindsided and, uh-huh. you know, give up their rights. And we already told them, no, we're not totally giving up our rights. It's not – and when it comes to financing, too, 
Um, just like you say, you can't have anybody just throw any anything at you that you're not your work. Just like selling mm-hmm. yourself yep. and starting our business, we're saying this is what we're worth. Uh, we're not going to sign off, you know, just anything, you know, and give it to you like that. Um, so you have to think about that too. Um, people have, we've been there. People have yep. come and said, you know, we'll give you this amount of money, but in return, we want this, 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 this. It's like, how can I already guarantee you? Uh, uh, let's say they want 60 or 70 percent on the return. You got to be kidding me. And how I'm going to guarantee you that when we we don't even know projectually wise in the first year we may not even make anything. And so I'm going to sign this contract saying that I'm going to give you 60 percent or 70 percent on your return within a year. Right. And when they look at us as black people, and you know, because the industry is is basically white, they try to steal the okie dokie stuff, and we uh-huh. tell them. We don't sign anything unless we have a lawyer. And they have to realize we are the business. We control the point that we're going to give you when we sit down. And, see, that's what people don't understand, that we control all the points. Now, we're willing to partner with our points. Remember, you got 100%. Within those 100%, those points got to be divvied up. We know our distribution's right. We know that merchandise sells within the show. So we can... You can partner with us, and we can give you the points. But like our Lord just said, what are you bringing to the table to want 25% of the points? Well, it's only mm-hmm. 100% of the company. Me and Daniel are 50-50. We both have contracts stating that, just in case something happens, we break up. The, we are uh-huh. both 50-50. We have legal contracts. And even working with people of color with Dylan Pete. They hmm. question why I got to sign a contract because everyone needs to know their position and what they're doing. They're afraid. The lawyer wants to sign a contract. This is what we're offering you. They get afraid to even sign the contract. And if all the contracts are always signed with who we're dealing with, it's a better understanding. And the process can go faster when it, when it gets sold to TV it's all done. We won't have to wait. This is a smooth selling ship. And all that took time learning and getting that um, um, structure and foundation in place for us. And we had to raise funds for a lawyer, for SAG. Mm-hmm. You can't be SAG unless you're LLC. And here in New York, you got to spend uh, money for the lawyer. You got to spend money for SAG. And once you're SAG, and people question, oh, you, the white people are SAG. Oh, you can't be SAG. Oh, yes. You, you can't be LLC. Oh, it's, yes, we are. That's what all the fundraisers was for, to set up the um, business foundation for us. So when you know, people talk to us in the industry, they go like, whoa. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing is, like, you are a couple, but you have, you looked at this through a business, you know, perspective to not only protect your entity, but protect one another. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, it, it doesn't say that it's not a sign of a lack of trust. It's a sign of being good business women. And yeah. how, how surprised are people when you sit down and you said, well, you know, we're in business and we have a contract with each other. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And they're very surprised about, uh, you know, what we want and that, 
We know, you know, our product, which is Jillian Peak. We know where we want Jillian Peak to go um, and, you know, how much connection we still want to have with it, um, you know, okay. if it gets um, bought. And so they're, they're surprised about that. Um, uh-huh. They see the sense, you know. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, you know, so some people are really surprised. They're like, you guys are really, really um, advanced, and they see, they do, you know, they, they know we're a couple, but they see us as a business entity and business partner. Yeah. Right. And so that stopped them from doing that, what I call okie-dokie stuff, because it has been like over the trip. We have spent more money in legal fees because people would, would have been like of trying to do okie-dokie stuff. But because we have a good entertainment lawyer that sit, first she sat us down and talked to us and said, look, this is what you guys need to do, you need to think about. Do not sign a contract with no one and do not promise anything verbally to no one, period. I want to see what they're going to do first. So when we tell people that as black women, They'd be like, yeah, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you guys got Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when it comes down to they have to sit down and talk to the lawyer, they like, okay, the okie-dokie stuff that I thought I could do, I, I can't do it. So they, that's when they take us seriously. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's a lot to juggle. and But the thing is the fact that you're taking your time to do it and to learn each part it sort of doesn't it sort of like make the juggling between the creative part, the business part, a little bit easier because you're not in a rush to do anything. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It makes it it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, we you know people learn from their mistakes, and, and mm-hmm. early on, you know, there was there was some mistakes because we didn't know, and that's why now we know. Um, mm-hmm. And. Just like Charles had said, we decided to build the foundation first um, and then from there capitalize on moving the script to the different phases to where now it is written for, uh, you know, television. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, taking the time, and like I said, it's been it's been a – 10-year haul, and people mm-hmm. like, 10 years, but then once we explain <laughs> what each mm-hmm. stage is and that it was going through, because, like, like me, I'm, I was working full-time, um, so there was a little bit of time that, you know, I had, Charles, that was really um, doing the bulk of the work yeah. full-time, and then I would come in, and then uh, now... Since I retired from law enforcement, I can really put 100% into it. So, yeah, over time, you know, like we always said that, you know, your dream will come true and it, it will get there. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. And do things quickie, mm-hmm. quickie. It don't, it don't yeah, happen right. like that. No. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at, right, how long did it take Sharonda Rhimes to get her right. TV we show up? It didn't happen overnight. Nope. Um, you know. Any it, artist, any great yeah. success, they've been working it for years. Even, you know, certain um, well-known movies uh, that have won Oscars, and you're like, what? That was like on the show for like three years before. <laughs> you know, so this mm-hmm. is just like mm-hmm. years before that, you know, that's just 
got once it got filmed and then it sat there for three years before they start promoting it. But just think about them sitting down, coming up with writing the story, you know, trying to get funding, getting the actors, doing your casting call, getting the actors, then actually, you know, filming, you know, get it uh, to the editor, the cutting floor, and then giving it to the studio, and then the studio goes, oh, well, it's not time to come out yet, you know. Right. Uh-huh. With all the right. Things, it takes time, especially in the film and TV business. But one thing I learned from serving, if you have a good business structure, and that's what I was working on. So when we do have those I call learning curves and any growing in business, we're solid and safe at that. And mm-hmm. so even when Shanana Ryan, how many years did she work before she got to TV? Then she went to um, um, ABC and Grey's Anatomy. How many years was she on ABC? Then she left Netflix because she realized, like I realized, what is the difference in TV as far as us African Americans really, really making it and, and, and having the necessary finances? It's, it's the point. It's your business structure, and that's why she loved ABC to Netflix. You know, you know, I, I do admire Sonata Ryan. She, you know, she allowed to see ourselves and our image, but she learned that quickly. When she, I got out that, so let me flip, tighten my uh-huh. business foundation, go to Netflix, so that way she could expand to teach other people and have the full control. You know, and uh-huh. and, and that's what. Um, we we do with Jillian Peak or any project, whether or not it's Jillian Peak, Peak or, or prevalent, is is always takes time get stuff. It's like building a house. You can't build mm-hmm. a house or a building unless you have a good structure, foundation, in business and researching and taking your time and doing it right. So that's what we we want to do for Jillian. That's what we are doing for Jillian. Okay, well, we're going to take our second break here. And when we come back, I want to update on Jillian's Peak and what's been going on with you. So we'll be right back. And we're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. You know, you've put a lot into Jillian's Peak, and we're going to put up the signs because, you know, this is about us, it's about our community, not only our stories, but supporting people 
who are doing it and laying the groundwork for the next generations of Charzettes and Daniels to see that they can do it, and for those who are out there to learn how to do it right. Where are you with Jillian's Peak? And I know this past year you have been all over the place. So tell us about Jillian's Peak and, and what you've been up to. <laughs> 2018 is the buildup of what we've been working with, with Jillian's Peak. Um, Jillian Peak, I'll let Daniel explain for those viewers who don't know what Jillian Peak is really all about to think that. Right, Julian Peake is a we consider it as it's a scripted drama series. Um, we got the inspiration from Chazette's um, life story, so uh, it's loosely based on that. It is um, the first African is Julian Peake is the first African American woman of color drama. It's dealing with the life of Julian Thomas who is on a quest to understanding about her life and making life choices and decisions, her challenges that she faced uh, with her family, her friends, and, um, you know, the African community as a whole. You know, she eventually comes out as a lesbian, and we go on this journey with her, and she navigates and understands about, um, you know, her lifestyle choices, the gay community, um, issues that affect the community, um, her love life, you know, and, um, you know, just exploring any of the hidden feelings that she has about coming out being gay. Right. Uh As you know, as most women... We and that's why it's called Jillian and Pete with the mountain because as women we we learn each stage that she's trying to find who she is and of course the first two seasons we want to be the first year we want to set in Detroit you know all right uh, uh-huh. to to bring out you know our Detroit flavor and who we are when we dealing with the church our people our friends and even navigating through the gay community as a woman is a challenge or just uh-huh. really discovering who you are as as a woman you know when you're in your late twenties you're still trying to figure out who you are and to mature and and that and to deal with the issues that's within our community um, and the things that we have accomplished with Jill and Pete after foundation always new within TV and streaming. If you have a good script, then collections by Michelle Brown. You know, you can't write airs that, every oh, Thursday at good. 7 p.m. You can subscribe um, now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. And then from there in 2016, and we made the first round of the New York Writers Group. And then after that, in 2017, we, we were recognized by the International Screen Writing Awards. Um, and they used to have 1,719 scripts to be entered, which is a great honor. And then in 2018, we also made the second round of the Sundance um, um, New Voice Lab. You know, also in uh-huh. 2018, 
2018, uh, we was um, made the first round of the Creative World Awards um, script writing contest. And then in 2018, the New York Independent Film Festival, which is one of the big independent film festivals, um, they did a live script reading of Jillian Peek. Um, which was totally phenomenal to do. And then also in 2018, we got recognized by the New Media Film Festival, I was on Los Angeles list. And also in 2018, we did, we got uh, the best re-script from the LGBT Toronto Film Festival. All right. They did a Toronto LGBT Film Festival did, they did an interview with me and Danielle to talk about us as being women and gay women in the uh, film business, which was totally phenomenal. And then we also made the second round of the Marco Episodics Lab, which was an honor to be able to make the second round of, of the Marco Episodics Lab. And then... So that was in um, the Marco Episodic Lab was in collaboration with Lena Wayne and mm-hmm. um, Eva Lagoria, and basically uh-huh. they were looking for new episodic, um, episodic um, script, and uh, the top winner, they Marco would have had his production company um, give $30,000 to um, do the a winner trailer. To, do, to do a trailer. So, I mean, we right. made the second round, so that was, that was just an uh, honor in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. among the thousands right. of scripts that they probably had to read. <laughs> right. Know. And you see when you're on a high level, Marco was spending $30,000 just for a tra- trailer. And you know how short a trailer is. So that's the same uh-huh. thing we want to do with Jill and Pete. And then he wants the option to be able to buy you out. See, this is where the business ends come in. <laughs> you know, and so um, that was just an honor itself, you know, because we never thought we would make the second round. But for Jillian Peake, a lesbian woman of color, to make that, that's an honor. And uh-huh. then we just got an um, email last week that the LGBT Toronto Film Festival voted Jillian Peake as one of the top ten scripts for its festival for 2018. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's been a very busy year for Jill and Peak. It's going to get more busier. Along with that, at the same time, I had got accepted as new rising artist in uh, Art Basel, Miami. And uh-huh. that was a big honor for that because, you know, Art Basel is, you know, the art world. <laughs> you know what I mean? In December. Uh-huh. And so... Right along with that, I was always been working, and it was, this was started in Detroit, um, prevalent to deal with social issues of our time. Because going to CCS, being a black person, I was going to that world, but I come home to my environment, and kids was getting shot. So we have different things that we have to deal to when we go into a, a different environment, and I felt that visually, that was something that people wasn't recognized. And then that these issues are going to continue to escalate. And I've been building these social pieces about Roe versus Wade, racism, gun violence, the 45th, Colin Kaepernick all alone on the, on the side. Everything is, is a buildup because I've also was been exhibited for quite a while in Detroit. Um, thanks to 
thanks to Gilda Snowing to push us African Americans out there to exhibit. And so I got recognized by these handcrafted, custom-made, large 42 by 30 pieces. So it set a different tone for the art world because you have nice stuff, but you have social pieces that express things that's going on at a time, which we have a lot of them. So people was looked at it, they stayed, they, they was like, wow, this is so impressive. But also as far as taking care of the different business, when you're in the business, we're, as like I said, SAG media approved, you have to join all the film um, places and different things as well. So right now, um, where are we moving with Jillian Peak? We have entered in the Ron Howard. Yeah, we, we're entered in the Ron Howard um, script writing concept. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, 2019. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a contest because we've been knocking on the door in the industry. This came from our, our, our mentor. And so um, we're, we're waiting on that. So this year I'm selecting the top five um, script contests to enter in. This year we want wins. <laughs> okay. We're going for wins. And that Ron Howard script writing contest, if we get selected, has spent two months out in California to bring in the top showrunners um, to teach us how to write our, our script. There's a nice financial prize for it, but it would be an honor, and it would put us into the film business as far as writers. And so um, um, we're very excited about that. Um, you know, it's like you two, you know how they say how, it's like it's like a race, but you two are, haven't been sprinters. You're doing that long distance marathon, and you're winning. I mean, you know, I mean, you have put the work in, and this recognition, these opportunities, are proof of that of that work you've put into it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Also, part of putting the work is getting into networking. You know, joining these organizations and to be able to have a mentor say, hey, you know, we're going over this. This not one mentor, but several mentors. And, say, and, and attending informative free events. There's a lot of free mm-hmm. events um, that provides a lot of information. That's part of our networking. Um, we also are looking for um, a literary agent to go, because, you know, you guys, you have the East Coast and you have the West Coast, and, and most everything in television is on the West, you know. Um, uh-huh. So we've been um, looking up names of some literary agents that's out there in L.A. Um, that were willing to do the groundwork and, and, you know, get to the people we can't get because we're here on the East Coast um, and selling, um, you know, Jillian Peak and, when the point comes to something positive hits, then we'll be flying out to LA. Yep. And so that's where we're at. Even just reaching out, you always had a constant reach out to um, different people, and we're just at the level that the industry people, so we can we say, oh, you know, where are well, yes, let me see if I can like help you, assist you to get it that way. So remember, this has been um, the work and process that we've been doing uh-huh. because we know we have to hit the West Coast, even with Jill and Pete's um, Instagram page. Lena Wade started liking the pictures, even Kasha. You know, so 
just to get them to say, hey, you know, the official page, I like your photographs. Because, because we was working on the script, we wanted to show prominent um, African-American people that are in the industry or people that support us. And so that, that also that part of networking is getting their attention to know, okay, that's, that's, that's dealing with Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know. And, you know, Sonny Anderson, who was a DJ in Detroit, now she's on Food Network. Because I shot a tour, I said, hey, just, oh, let's get together and talk. So is that within having that networking ability for them to say, okay, you know, we, we've been hearing about you, buzzing about you. We recognize you that you can actually get in to talk to people and, you know, because they see the, the work and the resource and how we've been moving um, business and, and, and taking the script and getting it read and, you know, that they say, okay, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you two are, you know, on the move. You're doing it respectful way. So, and that's mm-hmm. this the next level that, that we're going on for our community mm-hmm. and for us to get it towards TV and streaming services. So, I mean, are you going to, you're, you're not going to abandon the East Coast for the West Coast, are you? No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> I said we would have to fly out to the West Coast fly to do business. Out to, <laughs> fly <laughs> out to do business. We said fly out to business to no. do that. So okay. we can possibly start your shooting in Detroit and hire some Detroit mostly. Our main thing I have always said from the beginning, Daniel always said at the beginning TV, and I always said at the beginning, I want 50% women on the set. All right. All our cast is people of color. And so now this is, is the time that Regina King said 50% women on the set. We said that before she said it because I want to give us a chance. Of, I want the first year to fly out. That's why we go to West Coast so we can set up stuff to come to Detroit to shoot. <laughs> uh-huh. So we will always have two homes, a Detroit home, Detroit me and a New York home, and mm-hmm. we want to make this possible. But it's it, it take we're going to do it. That's that's it, and we're going to okay. do it right. So you're going to do it, and you're going to do it the right way. But part of the way for you to do it is for people to step up and support you. How can yes. they support what you're doing? Well, just like we said, they can go on. We on um, all the social media. Um, and, you know, like our pages. Um, you can also leave your um, email information on the web page, the contact, because we all, every month we always um, put out a um, newsletter to keep everybody abreast of um, what's happening with Jillian Peake and new things that's going on. Um, when we do have... Um, we are thinking about another fundraiser, so, you know, getting the word out about the donation. We are 501c3 conduit, so your donations are tax acceptable. And you can go on our webpage to see donation for that. And on our webpage, there is a donation tab, too. They can see that, too. It's on our Facebook page. You know, we we always uh-huh. accepting, accepting um, you know, funds. We're always looking for funds. Right, and we're looking for a literary agent so we can get this this 
done. We're always looking for funds. We also need you guys in Detroit to, you know, like all our social media, put the word out as well. Um, I also I had talked to it's like a Detroit Women's Film Coalition in in Detroit. I I rest out to say, you know, how can we partner? Because when we do come for Detroit, I want to pull from that access from pool that's there and talent. And so you can support us two ways, social ways, the social ways, Facebook, Twitter, get the word out, um, um, join our email list and the donation page. Is there any literary agency, listen to this, that you know, hey, contact Michelle. She can hook us up or info uh-huh. com, and let's do this for ourselves and who we are as women in our community. Okay. And it is. It's, it's the Joanne's Peak website is there. You can follow it. And like you said, there's also there's at the bottom of the Joanne's Peak Works page, there's a donation, there's a press media, there's cast, there's something where you can connect to the YouTube, there's home, there's news, there's all, all things Joanne's Peak. Well, um, ladies, I want to thank you both for taking the time to be with me today to talk, to update us on. And you know what, and to really, I mean, you need to give a master's class <laughs> um, owning your own business, you know, handling, owning, and running your business. Because, you know, it yeah. is so important. You see too often that somebody can, you see someone who is talented, and somebody has flashed some money in front of them, and next thing you know, they've given up everything because they mm-hmm. didn't learn the business. And I think particularly right. for black people, other communities of color, and the LGBTQ community, I mean, you guys have just given a synopsis of what a master's class can look at, look like. <laughs> and I hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's also what we would like to do for our community as well, because that's very important um, to us, mm-hmm. to be able mm-hmm. to give back to the community, because the more of us that have our business set up, you don't have to worry about, you know, depending on your job, the better we all will be. And it's enough out here for everyone, but we have to network and help each other in a, mm-hmm. a, in a realistic way. And and that's what we're just all about. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Well, again, that's I want it. to thank you both. Get back to your enjoying your afternoon. And um, I will have... Um, I will have all the links to your web page and up there. And oh, you know what? I mm-hmm. can people want to want to see a clip of some of the things that you've done in the past, particularly like some of the readings for Joanne's Peak. Where would they find that? Is it on YouTube? On YouTube. Yeah, yeah. YouTube. When you click on YouTube, you'll find it as well. And you know why we created in depth. They can go on YouTube and see the WNYC. We, have, yes, we have a YouTube station. Yep, it's right on the web uh-huh. Yep, and they can subscribe to it. They right. see all the clippings. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably see, and if they go, they'll probably see a piece of themselves and their story in that. Yes. So, again, mm-hmm. thank you. I am so glad you're getting the recognition and people are looking because, you know, you're on a roll here, and we as a community are going to, push you over that finish line, you know. Yes. 
<laughs> I, and I, I appreciate that. I love <laughs> my Detroit. I just want to say I love everyone. Bro, <laughs> give a and what my family? <laughs> and we love you. And you know what? You're always a Detroit girl. Always. You always are. And, and Danielle, just by yes. association, you are now oh. a Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, thank, right. thank you again. Thank you again. All right. Okay. We love you. I want to thank today's guest, the creators of Jillian's Peak, Charzette Torrance and Danielle Johnson. Their project is in the home stretch and needs your support. Learn how you can help, be involved, and support the project at the website www.jillianspeak.com or follow Jillian's Peak on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to this or past episodes of this show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for a future show. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.